0: Good morning. Uh, my name is Nate. I am one of the pastors here, and I'm looking forward to opening up the Word of God with you today. Go ahead and turn in your copy of Scripture to First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. We're going to be looking today at verses 22 through 25 in First Peter. Uh, as we've seen over the last Couple weeks and hopefully as we continue to see through the rest of this series called Stand Firm, we're seeing that Peter here in First Peter is encouraging Christians to stand firm in our faithfulness to Christ uh, in the midst of suffering and persecution by clinging to the hope of eternity. Right? He's encouraging Christians to stand firm in our faithfulness to Christ because he is faithful in the midst of both suffering and persecution. And we do that by clinging to hope. All right. First Peter chapter one, let's look down at verse 22. It says this, uh, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory. Like the flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Okay. So in this paragraph, we're gonna see this morning one command to love and two reasons to love. If you look there at the end of verse 22, it's got our main command. It says, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's our command. And what's really cool is it's sandwiched here right between two reasons. In order to do that. And so those reasons are what we're going to start with today. Because those overflow into the command. So two reasons to love. The first reason to love one another is this. You've been born again. You've been born again. Look at this. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since or because you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Through the living and abiding word of God. We've been born again. How? According to this passage, we've been born again through the word. And it's described as living. It's alive and it produces life. And it's abiding, which means that it endures forever. This word is not perishable. It's imperishable. And Peter illustrates this. Look at verse uh, 24 and 25. He illustrates this through uh, Isaiah chapter 40, which is where this is taken from. He says, all flesh is like the grass and all its glory or all its beauty is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Uh, All flesh is like grass. Uh, Flesh here, it's it's talking about all things that are merely mortal or human and everything that springs from that. Uh, It will all wilt and die. This life and everything in it is brief. If we've learned nothing over the last 18 months, like we should have learned this, right? It's perishable. It all has an expiration date. We just don't know that date. Uh, Psalm 90 is what I think about um, when we talk about this. It's teach us to number our days so that we might live wisely. Uh, You begin to grasp the brevity of life more the older that you get. I've been realizing more and more that life is brief in a lot of ways recently. uh, In other words, I've been realizing that I'm getting older. Uh, I found myself, when I go into a restaurant, wanting the restaurant to turn the music down so that I can hear the person across from me. Uh, I remember when I was a kid and my mom and dad would do that and they were like, what, I can't hear you. The restaurant, could we turn the music down in here? And you're like, oh my goodness, it's so embarrassing. Stop, it's just music, what's wrong with you? It's me now, totally me. Uh, Recently, I've started wondering if my kids are actually getting taller or if it's me getting shorter. (laughs) Uh, The time of day when I have to stop drinking caffeine gets earlier and earlier every single year of my life i'm down to noon now anytime after lunch if i have caffeine i'm up all night Uh, one that amy has been calling me out on recently is for some unknown reason i make all kinds of noises when i stand up or sit down i was like i was standing up the other day and i'm like oh man Oh, oh and she's like what's happening right now like, what are you doing? And then it, it always ends on either side of it. it, always ends with this big sigh of relief. Like, ah, oh, like somehow I accomplished something. <laughs> and she's like, do you have pain in your back or something? I'm like, actually, no, I don't. I don't know why I was doing that. Just make noises. Um, you might be realizing the brevity of life if you find that you're going to the doctor more now than you used to go to the gym. On a more serious note, uh, you might be realizing the brevity of life if you're finding yourself attending more funerals than you are weddings. All things human, all things that are born of the flesh, our bodies, our offspring, our human achievement and power and wealth and innovation and all of our systems, it will all perish. You're like, how is that hopeful, Nate? Well, it, it's not, but our hope is not in what is perishable. Our hope is what is in imperishable. And according to this passage, what is imperishable is the word of God. It's, it's living, it's abiding, nothing can stop it. It won't wither or fail. It endures forever, it's permanent, it's eternal. And here's the thing, you've been born anew from what is imperishable, what lasts forever. Therefore, your new life is imperishable. This new life has been born in us, not merely by mortal or human seed, but rather this new life has been born in us. It's been produced in us by the imperishable seed of the word of God. That's hopeful. What's this word that has beget you? Well, uh, it's the entirety of God's written word. Uh, We know that because here this quote is from Isaiah chapter 40. The written word of God. Um, But specifically here, this word, this imperishable seed that has produced new life in us is the good news about Jesus. Look at the end of verse 25. This word is the good news that was preached to you. What is the gospel? Uh, Well, the closest explanation of the gospel is from our passage last week. Look at verse 18. It says, you were ransomed from your feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with a perishable things like silver and gold, but you've been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times. For what reason? For the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith And hope are in God. That's the good news. That is the imperishable seed that has created new life in us. That is the reason that we are born again and will have this new life forever. And it's imperishable. The good news about Jesus Christ. So summary. Because we're born again by the living and abiding word. There's hope. And because of that hope, we are free and we are able to sacrificially love one another. Love or hope produces love. First reason to love. You've been born again. Second reason to love one another is this. You've been purified by your obedience to the truth. You've been purified by your obedience to the truth. Look again at verse 22. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. You've been purified. You've been washed. You've been made clean. You've been cleansed from your sins. Uh, How? By your obedience to the truth obedience. Our part in this is submitting to the gospel, right? Jesus comes proclaiming, repent and believe the good news. And so we submit to the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus lived, he died, and he rose from the dead for sinners. And we are all that. And God promises that he will save you if you turn from your sins. And place your trust in Jesus for salvation. In obedience then, we turn. We turn from our former ways and we turn to Christ. We repent of that and we place our trust in him. The proper response to God's truth is obedience, right? So obedience to the truth here, it's it's faith. Like we submit to the good news of Jesus, and that results in purified souls by the grace of God. So we've been purified once and for all, and we continue to be sanctified and to grow in Christ's likeness. Therefore, we are free and we are able by God's power in us to love. One another even in the midst of suffering and persecution because we have hope and hope produces love two reasons to love we've been born again and we have been purified by our obedience to the truth in light of these two reasons uh, in light of this hope uh, let's, let's return back to this, this main command here in verse 22, love one another. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. I love, the, I love this. Uh, for, uh, so that, for the purpose of brotherly love. Uh, love is both the purpose and the result of having been born again and purified. This is great. So because we've been born again, because we have been purified, uh, we love. And we've been born again and we've been purified in order to, for the purpose of love. So it's both commanded of us here And we see that it overflows from the fact that we have been loved. Uh, What type of love? There's a few uh, words that are describing the type of love that we are born again to here. Uh, The first is brotherly love. Uh, This is the word Philadelphia. Uh, Specific love. This is specifically love for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, We're supposed to love earnestly. Uh, this word means to stretch to the limits. It, it involves a degree of intensity and depth and persistence in our love. Uh, sincere and pure heart also describe this. That, that means that it's, it's genuine. It, it's not fake. It's a love that actually bubbles up inside of us and overflows from, from something that's already there in us. And, and actually, this type of love would be impossible Without hope, especially during a time of suffering and persecution. Because often during those times, our greatest temptation is not to look outward to love, it's just to look inward. Maybe you've noticed, but we live at a time when there is a lot of confusion and lack of clarity surrounding love. Uh, In our world, often love is merely the acceptance of or the affirmation of everyone's individual definition and or experience of love. So it's like, I personally define love like this. Like you love me if you do blank, blank and blank. If you don't do those things, you aren't loving. That's not what we see in Scripture. And thankfully, thankfully, Scripture gives us clear direction on what love is and how we are to love, which is why it's so important, especially even now that we as Christians meditate on and memorize and lean into the Word of God as our foundation of truth. And 1 John 4, 8, 9 says this. It says, God is love. And God's love is demonstrated to us. It's revealed. It's uh, explained to us in Christ. Specifically in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Romans 5.8. God shows, God demonstrates his love for us. And that why we were... Still sinners. Christ died for us. John 3:16, God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. They'll be born again of the living and abiding word. Uh, I love John chapter 13. Verse 34 and 35 say. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How? As I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. How do we love? How do we know love? We look to Jesus. We love like Jesus, we love with the love of God. Uh, do you realize this, this passage in First Peter, there, there are others like it throughout the New Testament. There's over 60 one another passages in scripture. That basically is what they do is they explain Christ's love to us in order to help us know how we should actually love like him. And I want to consider a couple of these this morning. So Jesus' example of love involves involves this. It involves compassion and mercy as he sympathizes with our weaknesses. And and we're called to love in the same way, showing compassion and mercy. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Jesus' example of love involves sacrifice and service. In Philippians chapter 2, right, we see he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then what's it turn and call us to? It says, humble yourselves and consider others more significant than yourself, like Jesus. Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wives. How? Like Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave himself up for her. Jesus' example of love involves relationships. He graciously and patiently calls us into relationship with himself. Uh, I love in Mark chapter 3, we see Jesus calling his disciples to himself. And he says, and he called them to himself so that they would be with him and so that they would go out, be sent out. And proclaim the gospel. I love that. Jesus is like, come be with me. Come be in relationship with me. Learn from me. Be equipped by me. And then I'm going to send you out. highly relational way in which the Lord calls us to be in relationship lovingly with himself. And we're called to the same depth of relationship as the body of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12:26 says, if one member of the body of Christ suffers, we all suffer together if one member of the body is honored we all we all rejoice together in relationship jesus example of love also involves truth right he he lovingly speaks truth into our lives like just a page over from that John 13 passage, we see Jesus saying, hey, there's one way to be reconciled with the Father. This is the way, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You're like, that's not very loving. Actually, that's the most loving thing he could possibly have said to them. There is one way, there is only one way. I am that way. And he loves in truth. Uh, Peter, actually the human author of This book of scripture, at one point when he's walking with Jesus, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter says, nope, not going to happen. Typical Peter fashion. Not going to happen. I won't let it happen. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, get behind me, Satan. Like, you're not setting your mind on the things of God. You're setting your mind on the things of man. It's like, ouch, that hurts. But Jesus was like, the most loving thing for me to do right now is to correct you because you're acting like the devil. <laughs> and I need to speak truth to you. That's the most loving thing I could do. Think of it this way Imagine if you had a friend who's out on their morning jog, if you're into that kind of thing. He's out on his morning jog, and you have some perspective and you're watching what's happening, and you can see what he can't. And he's actually running directly towards a cliff that he hasn't been able to see. And you know, if he keeps running, if he keeps on this path, if he keeps going this direction, he's gonna fall off the end of this cliff to his death. All right, and you're back there going, hmm, I don't think it would be very loving to interrupt his run right now. Like he's kind of in the groove. It looks like it's going well, like, I wouldn't run that way, but you do you, you know, kind of thing. No, that's not what we would do. We'd yell out, danger, right, danger. You're heading towards disaster. And then we'd probably try to physically stop them. We'd grab onto them or we'd put ourselves in front of them and say, don't go, you'll go to your death. That's the most loving, truthful thing that we could do for our friend in that moment. Are we willing to love like that? To love like Jesus? So if we want to know how to love each other, what do we do? We rest in the gracious love of our savior. And we look to his perfect example. And we show compassion and mercy for each other. We enter into a depth of relationship with each other. We sacrifice and serve each other and we boldly, and humbly are willing to speak truth into each other's lives because we care. I wanna ask us this question. Are we loving each other in this way? And I look and I see and we are. In a lot of ways. But this is a big deal. Remember from that John 13 passage. What does it say? It says the world will know Jesus. The world will be testified to about him. Because of the way that we love each other. And so this is a big deal. This is our, our very witness even at stake here. Are we loving each other? Like Jesus. Um. A few weeks ago, I watched this uh, show on television. It was the season finale of this of this show. It's, it's all about this Navy SEAL team, and uh, they had just returned from a particularly hard deployment, and they're struggling. They're struggling through PTS. They're struggling as fathers. They're struggling as husbands. They're struggling with team dynamics. They're just not getting along and meshing the way that they're supposed to. They're struggling with the loss of a brother who had died on the battlefield. And they're kind of falling apart. And the, the team leaders, he's asking, how do I lead this team? Well, through all of this. And he's wrestling with his leadership. I mean, he's historically led really well on the battlefield. Right? They have accomplished every mission that they've set out to do. But he's trying to figure out how to lead this team well off the battlefield. Because one of those has implications on the other. And there's this beautiful moment as he gets ready to sit with a team member in therapy. And he says this, he says, we have to fight just as hard inside the wire as we fight outside the wire. Like, like we've got to fight just as hard inside the wire as we fight outside the wire. Like, in other words, there's a war raging out there that we've been called to fight, but we will never fight it well. In fact, we'll lose if we're not willing to fight for this. To fight for each other. Church, we will never be able to fight the war that is raging around us. That we are called by God to fight. If we don't fight well here, we will never love in the way that we are called to love in the world, if we don't first love here. Uh, With our kids, we always say this a lot, we're like, hey, remember, when you go through life, a lot of relationships are gonna come and go, okay? But here's what you need to remember, this one stays, right? We're family, like, we're blood. This stands firm. We're family. We're blood. And not, we are not connected through merely mortal blood. We are connected through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are bound together by him. We're closer than what any human relationship should be. Why? We are eternal. Eternally and forever family, the bride of Christ. Therefore, we love each other. Why? Because we've been born again and we have been purified through obedience to the living and abiding word of God. And because of that, there is hope. And so we are free and we are able to love each other by God's power and God's presence in us and among us, even in the midst of suffering and persecution. And I would say especially in the midst of suffering and persecution. Stand firm. Hope produces love. We're going to do something here to end. We're going to put this into practice. All right. Uh, We live in a noisy world. And so there are good times for us to just be quiet with the Lord. So I'm going to ask of you two things. First, we're going to take five minutes And we're just gonna be in the quiet. Just you by yourself with the Lord right here amongst family. And here's what we're gonna do we're gonna pray for each other. We're gonna do the most loving thing that we could possibly do for each other, and that is cry out to our Father on each other's behalf. So as we go into this time of quiet, think of someone in our faith family. In fact, maybe it might even be better just to say, Lord. Bring someone to mind in our faith family. And then here's what you're going to do. You're going to pray for them for these five minutes. Maybe, maybe you've got a beef with this person. And maybe you need to spend this five minutes repenting and asking God to forgive you for your heart posture to them. Maybe there's something going on in their life that you know they need prayer for. Maybe the Lord brought this person to mind and you're not sure how to pray for them. So you're going to pray for all kinds of stuff for this person over the next five minutes, but we wanna labor for each other at the throne of grace. Okay? Second thing that I'd love us to do, uh, you'll know when those five minutes are up because the worship team will come up and they will lead us in our closing song. But after that, after we head out today, here's what I'd love you to do. If you see that person, I would love for you to express outwardly what you have just done on their behalf, whether that's a hug, a fist bump, whatever you're comfortable with, whether or not you see them and you just point at them and you're just like, I got you. And they're gonna know then in that minute that you are doing the most loving thing possible for them. Going before the Father on their behalf. So let's start this morning by loving each other well and let's start with just five minutes with him right now.